From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion Part 2 for January 13th, 2011 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Kathy Whirling, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and Teresa Eccles. And yes, John and Walter are still sick. <laughs> it's been days. <laughs> uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Podcast Cruise 2.0. And for those of you who are wondering what is going on, we are doing something a little different this year uh, with the shows, breaking them up into individual segments rather than having one big, long 90-minute show. Uh, So it's easier to find things, and uh, you can listen to the things that you want to listen to and not have to sit and listen to the whole show if you don't want to. That's one of the comments we get quite frequently is that it's tough to find things, and some people don't want to sit and listen to the whole show to get to what they want, so we're just making it easier. Easier on you, easier on me. It's a win-win. So let's talk about Podcast Cruise 2.0. This went on uh, December 12th through the 16th of 2010. Uh, obviously, by its name, it was the second one that we did. The first one, we had about uh, 250. This time, we had just over 600 people join us. Uh, on the Disney Wonder, this is, uh, you know, a big, for those who are not familiar with it, we just have these big groups that sail with us, and we get some celebrities to join us and do some special stuff, and all around have have a good time. And uh, so I, I want to get everybody's impressions of 2.0. Wow. It was better than one. Hectic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was hectic. It was. I don't feel it was better than one for me, but really, <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, I was much better than it one. It was for stressful. Me. Well, for yeah. It was way stressful for me. I did With not enjoy myself at all. <laughs> not. I mean, like I didn't get to do any of the activities. I didn't. You know, it's. I was with, yeah with the kids. You mean yeah. right? I know. Like I didn't get to see any of the speakers. I didn't see Jody. I didn't. None of that. Yeah, it's because like yeah. I mean, they were both sick. Yeah. <laughs> Finley had a horrible, horrible first day. And she slept with us the whole time because she wouldn't sleep by herself and Aww. on my chest because she couldn't breathe. So Aww. my experience was a totally different one this yeah. time. Varys was a different baby and he wasn't sick in May. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I gotta be, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, I enjoyed this one far more than I did one. I think because we've got some experience now with doing these crowds and I've gotten, I, I'm getting more comfortable with it. And um, we knew what to expect a little bit more yeah with this one yeah exactly i enjoyed it mm-hmm. immensely immensely more than the first when I mean, the first one was wonderful it was it, well, i don't want to take wonderful. anything away from Absolutely one wonderful. i mean but this one i mean going into it i was kind of dreading it because it we'd built it up so long and i'm thinking okay how can we go into this and it be as wonderful as it sounds on paper you know and it was i mean meeting seeing people we already knew and that meeting, was the best part. It's actually yeah. seeing people this time and knowing who they were. Yeah. And mm-hmm. meeting lots of people that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. That came forward to introduce themselves. The see, seeing the podcast lanyards everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just hop in an elevator and, you know, there's a. Yeah. A everywhere. Right there. I mean. And even people that weren't wearing the lanyards. Yeah. I mean, because I didn't wear my lanyard. 
Um, I think I wore it once, uh, but and a lot of people didn't wear their lanyards. But uh, you know, be, I'd be in the elevator and I'd say mm-hmm. something, and you know, somebody like, oh, you know, you're Pete. Yeah, it was so always strange. Up a conversation. If you'd be walking down the hall and they'd go, "Are you Kathy?" And I'm like, "Well, how did you know?" Well, I recognize the voice, and it's like then you have to be careful <laughs> what you were saying as you were walking down the hall. We um, I I was very involved in John's planning these things. So there were certain events throughout the course of the cruise and it would be like, okay, we've got that one under our belt. Everything went okay. So then it was on to the next one. So it was, it was quite satisfying to see things happen where we had tried to anticipate anything that could go wrong. Yeah. And to have them not go wrong, it was each day there was like this little victory and the last night it was <sighs> and John was really seemed good. so happy the whole time he was, he was John John John's good at that yeah mm-hmm. John's good at you know seeming happy or being happy both I mean, both. <laughs> both but even when he's even when he's stressed even when yeah. he's stressed he can you know he's always got that calm exterior seemed, going on I don't know he'd seem pretty calm the whole time it was all uh, things were as things fell into place. You know, you kind of we hired those buses is and every, everybody on the bus. And that's kind of, you know, one hurdle. So it was just a hurdle mm-hmm. after a hurdle after a hurdle. So it was it was very satisfying. I felt bad that the weather didn't cooperate. Yeah. But then I looked at it as an opportunity to see how Disney handled things when it wasn't going right. Like how, how seamlessly like we just stayed at Nassau an extra amount of time and they switched the at sea day that I mean like anybody can do it the normal way but when they had some things thrown at them and I'm sure they've done this loads of times but I mean it worked out better we had a perfect day at Castaway Key that we wouldn't have had had we tried Mm -hmm. to go the day before but it was just like how they they handled all that just so effortlessly I agree I said this on the show, but I really loved walking down the hall, seeing all the doors decorated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really got a sense of how many Dizzers were on this cruise. Every other door was just flooded with stuff and our magnets that we had in the rooms. I was amazed at the accessibility of the folks that we had on our cruise with us, the, the mm-hmm. Jody and Bob and Charlie Ridgway. Yeah. They were above and beyond anything you could possibly hope for. Now, for those who may be listening for the first time and not familiar with any of this, uh, our special guests on this cruise were Charlie Ridgway, who was publicist for Walt Disney, uh, who also wrote a book called Spinning Disney's World. Great book. It is mm-hmm. a good book. Um, and uh, he, he joined us and, and told stories about his years working for Walt Disney. And uh, also, even after Walt died, uh, he continued working for the company and uh arrange the press uh, for the opening of Walt Disney World, uh, Disneyland Paris, uh, Tokyo Disneyland, Hong Kong. Uh, he's, he's touched every one of the parks and done some great work. Uh, also joining us was the unbelievably energetic uh, Bob Gurr, mm-hmm. who was uh, an Imagineer that worked with Walt Disney. I loved his fashion sense. <laughs> he yeah. every, I, you could not miss him on no. Castaway that day. Well, he was also just, he, he just, this is a man in 80, uh, he's going to be 80 years old. And the man has more energy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pep than I do. I just have to tell you a story. Um, I was acting as sort of arranging, making sure that they were where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be there. And 
I had been asked when we arrived at Castaway Key, did anyone want what they call an island taxi out to the event? We were having a barbecue, and an island taxi is basically a golf cart. So I had asked um, Charlie Ridgway if he would like me to arrange an island taxi to take him out to the event. And he said, yeah, that would be great. And I said, I asked Bob, I said, Mr. Gurr, do you want me to arrange transportation? He says to me, do you have any mountain bikes? I thought, I really don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not carrying one with me. I I didn't bring a mountain bike. He says to me, do you have rollerblades? I don't have those either. (laughs) How about a Segway? (laughs) I said, "Um, I can arrange a bicycle. He said to me, is it a mountain bike? "Uh Uh-huh. It's a mountain bike. There's a lot of mountains out there on Castaway Cape. (laughs) (laughs) So Bob and his traveling companion had bikes at their disposal, and they rode bikes out to where we were. So... I'm amazed at the man's wow. He's unreal. Level. It's unreal, and uh, the as you said, Ed, you know, the, gen- the generosity and accessibility uh, of of their time was amazing. Uh, and of course, also joining us on this cruise, uh, probably my favorite part. What I didn't think going in it was it was going to be, but my favorite part of this cruise was the concert that we uh, we had by uh, Jody Benson, who was the voice of Ariel. In the Little Mermaid, and I've got to be honest, going into this, that's all I knew about her. And I'm like, okay, how's this woman going to fill up an hour singing mermaid songs? I didn't realize. I mean, she had, you know, she had a broad, you know, she has a Broadway career as well. She was actually nominated for a Tony Award for Crazy for You. And I don't think anybody kind. I don't think any of us expected this no, going in. No, we didn't we, expect her. I expected it to be one of those shows in front of the castle. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I expected she was going to come out and sing and sing and sing and sing and then say goodnight. This is a, this is a woman, you know, I'm, I've seen a lot of Broadway shows, seen a lot of great singers perform on Broadway on stage. And uh, this woman's a great singer. This woman's a pro in every sense of the word. And I knew it was going to be special when I was in there for the uh, we were in there for the uh, rehearsal. And she came, you know, she came out and uh, just uh, just started practicing. A dream is a wish your heart makes. Mm. And I'm like, oh my, oh wow, she's really, really good. And as I'm heading to my uh, heading to my stateroom to get changed, I'm running into some dizzers in the hallway, and I'm like, are you coming to the Jody Benson concert? And some of them were like, no, we're going to go out into Castaway Key or onto uh, in, into Nassau because that was the day we were in Nassau. And I'm like, don't leave the ship. You have to be in there to watch this. And uh, I'm telling you, everybody, I mean, that crowd, I've, in all the events we've done, I've never seen a crowd respond to something quite like that. Well, as I said, I don't think anybody was prepared for it. No. I don't think anybody was expecting that. And I think afterwards, I was shocked at the emotional reaction that people had to her show. Extremely emotional. And, you know, it was especially for my mother and I. Um, uh, I, I had asked Jody if she would dedicate a song to my mother for her 80th birthday. And she did. She sang Happy Birthday, but she also dedicated a medley of songs from Crazy For You, the Gershwin musical that she had starred in and been nominated for. And... That was that's when I realized, okay, you are you are a Broadway star. I mean, okay, you really are a Broadway star. What did your mother think? Um, she was blown away. She was blown away. My mother is also I knew she would be a little uncomfortable. My mother doesn't like having attention drawn to herself like that. Uh, but she loved it. 
She absolutely loved it. Jody told a story during her show about um, one of the things that I enjoyed. She talked about Howard Ashman sitting right next to her and creating the characterization yeah. of Ariel. Which, if you want to kind of see a piece of that, you watch uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty, mm-hmm. that documentary. And we sat there and watched it. And it's like Documentary. And there it is. He's he's walking her through every step of it, and I thought, I thought that was a real insight into something that you would never ever get to know unless you had heard her tell that story. So, I felt pretty lucky. It was emotional, the whole. Oh, it was. I do know that um, one of our listeners. It was her actual birthday that day that she got to see Jody, and she is a, for lack of a better word, a huge fan of Jody Benson. And so I saw her afterwards and wished her happy birthday. And she just was beside herself because she had gotten to see her and meet her and take photos. And the fact that she sang happy birthday, even though it wasn't to her, really made it extra special, yeah. you know, for her. She also sang one of my favorite Disney songs, God Help the Outcasts. Yeah, it's a great song. It was a draining, draining experience. And I know I wasn't the only one in that room crying. Well, I, don't, I, I don't know if I'd call it emotional, it yes, but to call emotional. it draining. Oh, it was. I just, I left there just... You just make it sound like it was a chore. No, it wasn't a chore. It was just emotional. And, you know. Speaking of which, we took a number of pictures. Katie, and, Katie took the pictures after Jody Benson, and we have a link up on the, the Diz boards that if we took your picture, she took your picture, we put it up. So if you want to download it, I have to tell you, I stood there the entire time and sort of greeted people as they were getting their pictures taken. And Katie and Dave Parfit were troopers. Yeah. They were incredible. They helped, they took pictures with your own camera if you wanted. They took pictures with their own cameras and told people they would make sure that they got them. I couldn't thank them enough. They yeah. were oh, they went above and beyond at that point. And I also, you know, I like I said, Jody was a real pro. She was a real pro on stage. But I really saw what a pro she was afterwards. We only had her scheduled to sign autographs for 45 minutes. The woman sat there for over two hours. Wow. Signed every autograph. Every autograph from every person took, did not rush anybody, posed for as many pictures as people wanted. We had people lined up all around the Preludes Lounge and back into mm-hmm. the Walt Disney Theater and then down between the the gift shops and out into the atrium it was i it was huge there was a huge amount of and people waiting she never lost her smile she you know there was just i i what, when i tell you and everybody walked away with the same impression everybody said the same thing in describing her sincere genuine and she was she was and, and the loveliest woman and again generous with her time every time she saw us she stopped and talked to us. I saw her doing that with other Dizzers as well. When we had the signing for the gentlemen who were signing their books, Lee Cockrell, uh, Charlie Ridgway, and Bob was signing pictures in um, Studio C. We had a large line that went down along the outside of the theater. And I went out. I was just going to go out and chat with the folks keep the line moving and I went out and Jody was working the line and talking to people while people waited in line she stopped and talked you know, to everybody you know it's it's really cool it's really really cool and she just and she really connected with my mom and every time she saw my mom she just made a beeline right for her mm. and I thought that was really cool and that really made my mother feel special and I just I re, that I think part of why I enjoyed it so much is being able to have that experience with my mom. It was really nice. People kept coming up to me and saying, you know, if we had any one of these people on the ship, it would have been special. But to be able to walk around the ship, and there were four four Disney legends on the ship. 
I'm sorry, three Disney legends, Emily Cockrell, who Emily is a Cockrell. Disney legend. So to have them all in my mind, he is. To us, he's a legend, but right. he's not an actual certified Disney legend. However, to have all these people out and about, I mean, any one of them, meeting any one of them would have been very, very special. And you want to talk about somebody who's generous with their time, Lee Cockrell. Um, I'm telling you, for those who don't know who Lee is, he was the executive vice president of operations at Walt Disney World for many years. Um, I call him the, the father of the modern Disney service model. Uh, and he's wrote a book called Creating Magic. Um, ten strategies. I'm sorry, I can't remember the full name of the book, but it's Creating Magic. We have a link to it on the site. I don't care who you are, really and truly, if you are a business person or not, you get something out of this book. You will not regret reading it. I've read it twice. I'm going to read it a third time just because there's a lot to absorb. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's a hard read. It's just it's a lot to absorb. And... Uh, Actually had dinner with him and his wife a few weeks ago, and what just a lovely, what lovely people, what nice people, and uh, Lee's got some great stories. Lee has some amazing stories. Of yeah, his it's time. ten common sense leadership strategies from your life at Disney. That's it. There you go. I thought one of the interesting things was um, we had a chance to have dinner with Bob and Charlie before the podcast cruise, just so they knew we weren't crazy. And it was very interesting. They had never met. They knew of each other after 50 years and working with the same company. Well, no, they, 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 they'd met, but just very briefly in different places. Uh, they, they hadn't really like worked together closely. They had you know, run into each other a couple of times. But so I remember uh, when they first got together at dinner, uh, Bob said to, or uh, Charlie said to Bob, last time I saw you, you were hunched over a drafting board uh, or something like that. It was just very interesting to see... Um, that that the two, whole the two different and did you watch at dinner that night how they went into that like that Disney fame bubble um, and the two of them were just talking about Walt it was very interesting because everybody else at the table just kind of pulled back and it was you didn't want to interrupt it you didn't no. want to stop but it was very interesting Charlie's from comes from a different a whole different way of doing things he's very organized he was very methodical and bob was very creative so it was very interesting to hear them tell the two different versions of the same story and how those two different types of people worked with walt disney um because it was a very different relationship that they both had with walt one was from a more operational standpoint one from a more creative standpoint and you're watching these two talk and you realize they're talking the way only people who spent a lot of time with Walt Disney could talk. And so you knew it was authentic. You knew these weren't posers that, you know, met him twice, you know, worked for the company, met him twice. And then, you know, they're out running around going, Oh, I know new Walt Disney. These guys work with him every day. I think that the, the, the thing that I took away from this was that you, uh, the thing that amazed me was they both told the same story that Walt Disney was never, never didn't was upset that you made a mistake that if a mistake was made, it was a learning process to him and you figured out how to do it better the next time he thought that at making a mistake was okay. And they both realized that, that it was okay to try something. And I think to myself, that's really imagine if everybody thought like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. It was also very interesting to hear, um, Bob Gurr was talking about the fact that when they were at, um, meetings with Walt Disney, 
He said you would watch his uh, body posture, his body language. And if Walt pushed his glasses down on his nose and looked over the top of these glasses, you knew enough to back off. And he was telling stories about how there were certain people who didn't know enough to back off. He said the next step was after the glasses came down on his nose, coffee was served at every meeting. And he would pick up his coffee, uh, this teaspoon for his coffee, and turn it on its side and start tapping it on the table. And he said, by that time, if you had not pushed back from the table and said, okay, never mind, I'm done, I'm sorry, he said, you were going to get blasted. So it was very interesting to hear him talk like that. Yeah, I mean, this was, it was really cool. It was a really cool dinner that we had with them the night before the the podcast. Well, I went over to Magic Kingdom on Christmas Day, and the omnibus was, you know, in the front of the park. And I was up on the train station trying to take pictures to show everybody on Facebook, and I saw the bus down there, and I went, wait a minute. Bob Gurr designed that. And I've ridden that I don't know how many times, but it, it had a whole new meaning to me. So I ran down the steps to get to the bus, and you know how there's like that little curb, like when you get there? Well, I missed the curb. So I sort of came off, and I was standing there, and I was like, you know, wobbling, like whirlings wobble, but they don't fall down. And <laughs> this awesome <coughs> cast member, Barbara, who, if you've ever met her in the Magic Kingdom, she is just awesome. And whirlings I went, wobble, but they don't fall. But I'm there like, do you have room for one more? And she goes, okay, everybody on the the lower thing, move over. And we got on the omnibus and we proceeded to sing like Christmas songs and we waved to everybody going up Main Street. And that in itself was awesome, but it had a whole total new meaning because I knew the Imagineer who designed the ride. And I'm, I'm there like, wow, it's, you know, and I got goosebumps and, you know, I had tears and I'm like, you know, I really don't care. This is again, you know, I can't believe that I got to meet this person yeah, and that I actually even cared. Because when I think back to many years ago, I didn't take part in any of this. And now to get to know these people, I mean, it's just really awesome. And he was just so accessible anytime you wanted he to was. talk. He was. He was so accessible. Great guy. Great guy. I mean, they all were. They were just. They were. They were wonderful. The only things that went wrong, um, that were out of anybody's control, uh, were really the, was the weather. Um, it was cold. It was blustery, especially the day we were in Nassau. It was brutal. The Made wind. For some cool pictures, though. It was very interesting. If you walked along deck, I saw one little girl complaining that her macaroni and cheese was blowing away. Aww. <laughs> and she'd go to eat her macaroni and cheese and it would blow off her spoon. It was a rough day. How about you, T? What were your favorite moments? I think um, going to dinner at night and just going from our stateroom to wherever we were supposed to be eating. And Kelvin remarked, he didn't say this till the second or third night, how long it took us to get there because we stopped and talked to so many people. Yeah, along well, that the way. was it. Yeah, it, it was. Walking across the hall was was, a 40 minute process. Nobody got mad, you know, especially my husband. I thought he'd freak out, you know, you got to feed at Eccles when you need to feed an Eccles. You don't wait. (laughs) And he just stepped back and let me talk to whoever I wanted to as long as I wanted to. I did that the last night, and more people then came up and said, Oh, is this the line where they're like, No. And we're like, Just go ahead. And then another group of dissers had come up and Mm -hmm. I talked to them. It was just an awesome night. It was the night I ran into you in the line. It was just so neat. It was like you felt like you'd known these people for yeah. years. Yeah. I was surprised how uh, how open and accessible Walter was. Um, Walter doesn't do good in these situations. He's is just so far outside his comfort zone. 
And he was really, I mean, he was really getting into it. He was really enjoying meeting everybody, seeing friends again, meeting new friends. Um, he was just like Mr. Personality out there. I was, I was really like, who are you? What have you done with my husband? But, One of uh, my favorite moments was Walter and or John and Teresa coming out of the stage. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah, yeah, for the show that was fabulous. That was pretty awesome. I, the whole part about going underneath and back and seeing all that behind the scenes back there was pretty cool. I had never wanted to do that. I was just going for the layoff. I, I no, I really wanted to do that. Well, during the, <laughs> during the initial planning meeting, I had said, you know, I really wanted to rise up out of the stage, and they just kind of looked at me and went, "Okay, shut up." And we went ahead. And then when we were talking about it during the podcast, and I said, you know, and they said, no, I couldn't come up out of the stage. Well, it was for the, it was for the laugh. And all of a sudden, this young man came running up to me when we took our break. And he said to me, we've worked it out that you can rise up out of the stage. I said, no, you don't understand. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I just was being a goof. But this was a great example of how wonderful it was to work with the team on The Wonder it was, I think, in our planning and our, our expectation of execution of all the things that could go wrong, the one thing I don't think we counted on was that we had real partners oh, my in, gosh. in Disney right. uh, helping us. And they were there at every turn to help with everything. I, I can't begin to tell you how wonderful these people were. In every regard, I, I just really and truly... Uh, Everybody we worked with, and I and I got to be honest, that team at the Walt Disney Theater, mm-hmm. they impressed the hell out of me. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. They impressed me to know. Well, you talk about a first-rate pro operation. I made. I used to make fun of that theater because they called it, you know, a Broadway-style theater, and I would say pompous things like, you know, don't call it Broadway-style if it ain't Broadway. You know, um, that's one pro operation going on there. That is one professional operation i take back what i've said in the past about that theater uh i i i don't know if the stage is broadway caliber but i'll tell you right now the crew working it sure as hell is broadway caliber were you backstage when they one of the cast members came back and apologized that the lighting had failed oh yeah oh he was he was was out of his mind and it was like it was a blip and they had gone to backup and it was like if they hadn't said anything, you we really wouldn't. Well, know. it was yeah. While I was doing my while I was doing my intro of the power of ten, um, and I couldn't tell you know because I'm on stage and the lights were bright as it was, and in the middle of my thing, and you'll see this on the video, uh, in the middle of my thing, uh, it the lights come on, and I was you know I was like oh I didn't, didn't realize these weren't on already, and. Uh, yeah, he was he was just beside himself apologizing about mm-hmm. that. I'm like, it's all good. I am I'm, I'm fine. I didn't even know. So they were so they were so polite to people who had no idea what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And they could have very easily looked down their nose at us right. or been yeah. like, "Oh, who are these idiots?" And they just they just didn't. They were wonderful. And they were so enthusiastic. The little guy that took me down the stairs to go into the stage. I mean, he was just a chatting along the way and trying to lead me, let me past all the dressing rooms and mm. all the, you know, and then you get actually probably right underneath where you all were sitting. You had to walk this little plank thing with no rails and it was like a pit beside you. And oh, I'm thinking, geez. how am I going to cross this thing? And you cross over <laughs> to the other side and then he opens this, unlocks this little cage door and, and just as he's putting me in this cage thing, 
I hear John. Is Teresa down here? <laughs> if you're going to do this, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, John's coming up behind me. They're going to lock me in this little cage with John, and then he's going to leave me. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. John came up out of the stage and sat down next to me on stage, and he always kept saying to me, is, thank your lucky stars you didn't go under the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a maze of little tiny, like 12-inch wide path yeah. wow with drops and like and, oh my god how am I supposed to get over to this other oh, side oh I don't feel so bad then but then uh, while you're standing there waiting you're looking around at all the props you know that I'd seen in the show the night before mm-hmm. we're just sitting there and I'm thinking yeah. this is so cool we had just taken our seats and the man came out and he said to me would you like to ride out in Cruella's car I said no that's okay I'm going to okay right here just <laughs> they didn't ask me that I would have been like hell yeah it was a smooth ride too coming up I that was the, cool the secret way out of there me too I, th- I just thought that yeah. was so neat how that, like, how that Yeah, worked. that we were able to exit through because um, I had to go to the, the Cadillac bathroom. Lounge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bad after the show, I like ran down that hallway. <laughs> oh, that was a cool. Experience. Well, I got to go out to the uh, where the crew pool is and have a cigarette. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Took me up there for that. I wow. Like, I was like, wow. Oh my god, this is so cool. <laughs> He's like looking at me like. That's when he. That's when I was talking with this one. This one guy, and he was explaining the one that John kept calling Harry Potter. Because um, he had the glasses, and well, he was guy. British, yeah. yeah. And he was explaining that uh, you know he uh, uh, his last gig was working on West, the West End in the West End in London. Hmm. So I mean, when I say this is you know this is a Broadway caliber crew they've got there, and just run so efficiently, the whole ship I mean really is run so well. The uh, uh, the cruise director was so generous. Uh, oh, he's awesome anyway. With, with with us and his time and helping us, of course, David Gadsden from Disney Cruise Line Groups, who just terrific. I mean, it seemed that whenever you needed something, it was where they were right there. He turned around and he appeared behind you at the time you needed him. It was amazing. It, it was, and this all of them, all of them were great. I, I I can't I can't say enough. I can't thank him enough. I we actually we actually sent a case of beer to the uh, the crew at the. Theater. <laughs> I, I said I gotta, I gotta send him something. Case of beer. And I, and you know, I, as I asked the concierge, I'm like, what do I send them? I'm not gonna send them flowers. They're all like, you know, lighting techs and sound techs and don't want flowers. And they, he, he talked to them. He's like, beer. Send him beer. I'm like, all right, send him a case of beer. Anybody sad that the the wonder now has left Port Canaveral? I, I went over. Well, like, it didn't sink to the bottom of the ocean. It's down in Los Angeles. <laughs> no, they haven't made it a reef. <laughs> no, I just you know, the, the last day I went and there's the plaque up on deck nine. I went over and like rubbed the plaque and like said you know thank you for all the cool cruises I've had on the Disney Wonder. I'm a geek. Call me crazy, but I yeah, felt we'll wait sa- until you're not looking. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait until you're not I here. Just, you know, I just felt sad that you know the Wonder's not sailing. We were brought Port up right. We'll do this behind your back. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? The way they shuffle these ships around, you never know. Well, that's you never true. know. And look, it's still the wonder. And, it's, you know, the yeah. magic is still the magic, whether I'm on a seven night Caribbean or 11 night Mediterranean. It's still the magic. It's still home. I just, you know, have a thing with change, I guess. And I had one of those moments. Kathy's never let go of anything that didn't have claw marks all over mm-hmm. it. You got <laughs> it. My goodness. <laughs> I've got a question. I don't know if you can answer this or not. When we were on the wonder. Our captain was Captain Gus, right? Did the captain stay with the ship, or do they are they moving around? Is there more than one captain per ship? I mean, how does that work? Um, I, I think I think <laughs> I like obviously when they go on vacation or take leave or something. I mean, they're not on the ship twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. So, but yeah, I 
rotate I mean, they, like, I'm sure they like wrote the rest of the crew like I'm guessing I mean, I'm guess yeah I'm guessing they have some kind of contract I, I don't know I've never I actually that was asked interesting them. But I, I was I, wondering about when, the, when the dream came in that Captain Tom has brought all three of the ships. Yeah, I saw that. In. And I he's going to bring in the fantasy too. Mm-hmm. I was reading about that. It was very interesting. One of the things I heard on this cruise, and I've heard it from many people, is that they felt that the staff was new, mm-hmm. and that the staff has yeah. was not up to the standards that they had come to expect. Yeah, we had some cruise. issues. I, I got to be honest, mm-hmm. my stateroom host. Um, was very nice, but not particularly good. Ours um, was invisible. I never saw him. Ours was too. Oh, really? I Ours? saw I saw him on I occasion. Saw I saw him on occasion, but like we'd ask for things and they wouldn't get done. And you know, we were in suites. Ours seemed like he just was in the weeds all the time. We had to ask really? a lot for stuff. Ours, we had a good stateroom guy. I, did, I guess he we did too. Because after the first nice two days, he was good. <laughs> now the wait staff, the our assistant. A lot waiter. of complaints about the wait staff. Mm-hmm. We, we ours was good. The one the one at our table was good. Uh, night one, Grace got a. I think it was a salad dumped down the front of her dress. <gasps> oh my gosh! Um, we didn't get any food spilled on the us. The third night, a, a butter knife went down my back. Of oh jeez! <laughs> he was very apologetic, and I could, but I could tell he was. What if it had been a first. steak knife? Did, <laughs> did you all eat a cast or parrot key the first night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the only food that I thought was awful. It was yeah. funky. It was yeah. weird. And I, I, yeah, I, that, my meal that night, I wouldn't say it was awful. It was, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought as the, as the month, as the month, as the week progressed, it got better. <laughs> That's this month. I didn't um, have any other complaints. I thought the food, my food and parrot key all, and I'm not going for the joke here, all had the consistency of paste. I started with a soup that was wallpaper paste. I had a risotto, risotto dish that was paste. That mushroom risotto thing. It well, was just awful. Stuff you know, was bland. And some of the, you know, some of this stuff, they can create dishes that are pleasing, tasty, and upscale. That can be served in the you know kind of military style they have to serve them. If they just, you know, stop doing stupid stuff like the cucumber soup. Oh, that was funky. That was the. That's just why. Yeah. Why that's? It's pretentious for no reason. There are a million other soups you can create that can be served on demand like that. That can be made in advance, served hot, and be delicious. I'd rather have you know good old chicken noodle than cucumber. I mean, I had a watermelon <laughs> soup one day at the. Well, this is what I talk about. They, you know, they get into, I don't know if this is a European thing or what. I just don't understand why they can't make a good dessert. To save their lives. It's To save their lives. They can't make a good dessert. They're sugar-free. They're sugar-free desserts I thought were very good. Same thing on the Magic. It was the same. Now I got to tell you, the experience we had in the Med Cruise uh, on the Magic with the food, this food was a hundred times better. Oh, really? When I tell you that, that I'm really hoping we go back to the Mediterranean this year, that they've done extraordinary things with the food because that was my one huge complaint of that last cruise on the Magic. The food was atrocious. Every meal, every meal was atrocious. They obviously were phoning it in. They were obviously... I thought it was just Max complaining. But no, 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 no. We, no we all, I, we, I said it. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> this was definitely several steps up from that. 
but they still I think they can do I think they, they there's definitely room to improve where the food is concerned no question I enjoyed the food upstairs on deck nine from scoops the little wraps and the, the, mm-hmm. the sandwiches Goofy's galley is that what it's Goofy's called yeah. now did it oh, yeah. used to be oh, called those, those panini those panini I thought that scoops is on the magic maybe maybe you know where I'm talking yeah. about yeah, yeah. They have the soft serve ice cream. Oh, those little panini sandwiches were awesome. I thought they were great. They They are good sandwiches. Especially when you were... And the fresh fruit. We were on our way a lot from one place to another, so it was a great place to grab something quick. Now, if you're you're interested in joining us, our next podcast cruise is going to be June 24th of 2012. It's going to be on the Dream. It's a five-night cruise this time. And uh, we have very, very, very limited space on this on this sailing. This is going to be June 24th through the 29th, 2012. Um, we have about 25 staterooms left that uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be selling. Once those are sold out, we're going to wait list. We're limiting the number of people just for our sanity and logistics. We're we're limiting the number of people on this cruise. Uh, so it's not going to be 600 this time. It's probably going to be closer to 400. Um, but, uh, if you're interested in going, I strongly recommend you, uh, get your deposit in again, information on, on that cruise and how to sign up and what the prices are can be found podcast.wdwinfo.com. And that will do it for our discussion of podcast cruise 2.0. Thanks very much for listening. Everybody have a great day and remember stay out of the damn lakes.